The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. So we have so much football to talk about from Ugal Delaney, Chief Football Writer at The Independent. We'll get to the managerial sackings of the weekend in a moment. But first of all, that Manchester City performance in beating Liverpool at the weekend. But still, are they have they left themselves with too much ground to make up, given that Arsenal seemed not inclined to slipping? Well, it was ominous and... Um I think in terms of Arsenal, I suppose what was actually on the other side optimistic for them was that, that I, I was at Arsenal on Saturday and expected it to be a really tense occasion after the um, after everyone there basically watched City win. But also given like Javi Gracia, that he, he can make Leeds a difficult side to play against. But Arsenal seemed so relaxed. Now, of course, there's a difference between winning games with 10 games to go and winning them with three or four where it gets really tense. Uh, and from that, I, actually, I wouldn't say City have quite left themselves too much to do yet because they've got a game in hand. Then if that, if that does bring it down to five points, although there's a lot of footballs we played in between that anyway, there's that big showdown at, at City where you would, I suppose, that everyone almost expects City to win that game the way they did at the Emirates. Uh, so there's still an awful lot to play for. I think it actually, well, it, it has felt like a long build-up. This could be now where we see the real run-in. Of course, Manchester City doing it without Erling Haaland as well up front. Jack Grealish in terrific form. But how much of it is down to just Liverpool just showing they are not the force they were, that this wasn't maybe as hard for Manchester City as it should and could have been? Yeah, that's undeniably part of it as well. I mean, on the City side, it should be said that Guardiola always physically conditions his teams to be at peaks going into November, December, and then again in March, April, just when you know, the kind of title run-ins get serious. And that's pretty much exactly what we're seeing there. And on that side, Liverpool just didn't seem ready for it in any sense. I mean, City completely overwhelmed. Even from early on, when Liverpool took the lead on the break, City, were, it, it would, City had already had the majority of the good, pretty much all of the good chances. So yeah, I think it's both, which is probably explained in the scale of the win, that actually could have been much worse for, for Liverpool. And then maybe the Arsenal get a little bit lucky that they won't come up against full-backs as foolish as Luke Ayling too, awful, uh, too often for the penalty he gave away at a time when Leeds were actually looking quite comfortable against them. Yeah, it was remarkable. And, he, and even from that, I mean, this is actually, it, it happened in a few little Arsenal games this season. As comfortable as they've made games in the last few weeks, they've been a little bit patchy at the start. I thought Leeds did really well to actually cause them trouble and expose that. Um, Crescencio Somerville was true repeatedly, set up two chances. And then what happens? But your uh, one of your leading players, one of your senior players, goes and does that. I do wonder. Like, it did feel like, given that obviously Javi Gracia couldn't match Arsenal in terms of midfield quality, it felt like he filled the team of runners because that's what Leeds have, have a lot of after Bielsa and Marsh. But sometimes obviously that translates into almost a bit too much energy expended and something as rash as that penalty. I mean, I, I, I think at the time I thought it was a soft penalty in the way. Gabriel Jesus in the actual contact. But on the other side, when you're flying in with your leg in the air, 
I mean, that, that's, that's the risk. You that's think. inviting trouble. What about Liverpool now? Can Liverpool fans suddenly start fearing that not only might it not be Champions League football next year, that they might miss out on that, but they might miss out on Europe entirely as well, and that that will impact dramatically on the ability to get the type of new players they want for a rebuilding job? Well, I mean, not being in the Europa League or the Europa Conference is arguably almost better in terms of kind of what you can do next season, in terms of how fresh you are. And of course, that was the source of... Um, Clock's first uh, surge in in 2016-17. He got to Champions League football because they weren't in Europe and was able to kind of work on the team. Uh, but of course, the other side of that is the financial expectation, and, and there's no getting away from it. UEFA prize money, even if it's in the Europa League or the Europa Conference, does make a significant difference. Um, you would think, given Liverpool's recent past, it won't quite have that effect, given they are now one of the kind of their back being one of the big brands to play for this season's form, notwithstanding. Uh, but there are knock-on effects in terms of, in terms of the finances. Uh, and already it does feel like they're positioning themselves as if it looks like Jude Bellingham is unlikely. The, the feeling is he'll go to Madrid, although Man City might come in strongly. And Liverpool are starting to look elsewhere. As like my, I, I had a story yesterday about how they're looking at Conor Gallagher. And even, but even that, I mean, I think that was maybe met with a little bit of scepticism in regards to quality. You know, I, I would say Gallagher has exactly the sort of running energy the club likes in midfield. But even that would come from a situation where Chelsea have pretty much have the need for a fire sale this summer because they need to meet financial fair play requirements. And what about then Manchester United? Because a month ago, people were talking about the potential of maybe a late challenge for the title. Now, if Tottenham win tonight at Everton, it means, or even get a draw, it means United fall out of the Champions League spots. And even if they have a couple of games in hand over Tottenham, after the Liverpool hammering, could it be that Manchester United, who don't do well on the road against top 10 teams, might miss out on the Champions League again this season? Well, I think, I think it's almost a bit more than the Liverpool hammering. I think what we're starting to see is basically a squad that is still in formation, still has gaps, and I think really felt the loss of Casemiro and Eriksen, especially against Newcastle's energy. It's just kind of, they've, they've almost had too many games. Uh, because they are fighting, I mean, they're still going for three trophies this season, United, and to do everything, to try to win all three trophies, League Cup, FA Cup and Europa League, and qualify for the top four, is asking a lot. Um, and I, I think that's what we're seeing right now. Now, again, given the money they've spent in the last few years, which is even within the, the usually problematic Glazer ownership, um, that you, you would think they should still have the depth. But certainly, it's, um, it's as if a few things have come together at once. I mean, the one thing why I suppose I don't say the, um, the 7-0 was maybe the cause of this in that way is because they immediately bounced back in the Europa League against Betis and then had good cup results in, in, in which they kind of they've, they've shown come back to on. Although the Fulham one might have been a bit fortunate now, especially with the benefit of hindsight. And, oh yeah, you're, all of a sudden though, Ten Hag has a lot to solve and he's got to recharge the team, really. Now, on Friday's preview of the weekend's action, I suggested to Mark and Tony that Leicester might be falling into a lot of trouble on the basis that they had a lot of players out of contract at the end of season or who could be looking for a move at the end of the season because they'd only one year left in their contract and that they might not be fully committed. And then at last kick goal beats them at Crystal Palace and Brendan Rodgers gets fired. Will a new manager put resolve into Leicester, who have certainly plenty of good players to stay up, but aren't getting the results to do so? I think that's certainly the calculation they've taken. 
Um, I mean, the one thing I should be, despite how the last year, the last two years really have gone, Brendan Rodgers, I think, was a success at Leicester. For, for a time, it seemed a perfect combination. Had to be fifth twice. Had we got even top four in one of those seasons, things could look very different. The pandemic has affected the club in terms of how much the owners can invest. Um, and all of that kind of com- combined for a situation where it had just gone stale, it had run its course. There were expectations that Rodgers was going to leave himself at the end of the summer. And because of all that, and that performances weren't picking up because it just... There, there isn't that impetus around the club at the moment and, uh, with, uh, with Rogers, They took a decision. It could be risky in itself. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, I know we'll get on to this, there's been a lot of talk about Graham Potter. It would feel a little bit hasty for him to go from Chelsea and all the complications there to the risk of relegation with Leicester City, especially with so little of the season remaining. And yeah, so much is dependent on what they do next. But again, all, all of this is linked to how congested the bottom half of the Premier League table is. Well, could Brandon Rogers end up at Tottenham? Or indeed, there would have been a time, maybe not now, that he would have been linked with Chelsea. Yeah, especially given his history at Chelsea. He used to be um, a youth team manager there, or, or sorry, working from the underage team when, when Josie Mourinho was there. He, at, at a certain, in fact, he, he once had that line about how he didn't want to destroy his career. Um, but um, he, he, you would think, given the first, two years at Leicester, there's still so much credit that he could still make a step up to the next job. Now, he has previously been touted for Tottenham before. They've, 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 there's been links in the past. He, he's come close to being Spurs manager in the past. But things went a different way. I think there is, there's a little bit of tension there with Daniel Levy and the current Spurs hierarchy. But you wouldn't think that that should really prove that much of an impediment if they do want it. Because uh, the issue for Spurs is now, having gone, they've gone from a situation where it had felt like they maybe potentially had a choice between Julian Nagelsmann and, and Mauricio Pochettino. And now Chelsea, are basically, they've got a very similar shortlist with all managers also looking, and particularly those two managers, Nagelsmann and Pochettino, looking to the Real Madrid situation. Of course. There, there is, it, it, yeah, and of course, you kept, Miguel, you kept telling us that Graham Potter was safe at Chelsea until <laughs> such time as he wasn't safe. And that emerged at the weekend. Does he have himself only to blame or was he put in a bad situation by bad purchases of players? Bizarre as that might seem given the extraordinary sums of money that the club has spent. I, I think it's a mixture thing. I, there's a fair argument that Potter wasn't ready for a job at this stature in the first place. And that was exacerbated by Chelsea going through this extreme um, transition at the moment. Because really, I mean, the owners are, are trying to change everything about the identity of the club and especially how, about, how they approach things. But rather than do this gradually, it's just trying to do it all at once, especially as regards to changing the profile of the squad. So at the moment, it's almost like, and this comes to what we're saying with Conor Gallagher going and potential sales. At the moment, they've basically got the old Roman Abramovich, Thomas Tuchel, Frank Lampard squad, but also with a new young squad on top of that. Um, that was a difficult situation to be in in the first place. I think it played into uh, a scenario where, and you could see this in the pitch, where Potter increasingly second-guessed himself, and they wanted to give him time. The argument from the club now is that they gave him as much support as they could until it got to the point where it was untenable just because they weren't, whatever about results, which they were willing to accept, they weren't seeing enough progress in terms of performances and felt they had to act. And I think as much as anything, there was never really that connection with the dressing room that um, 
that might have brought better progress. I mean, he's still a good coach, Potter, but the wonder is maybe he went from there was a jump basically from a club like Brighton, an upwardly mobile club, very well run, but one that hasn't even been in the Europa League in the last few years, to a club that had won despite the change, had won the Champions League a year and a half ago. Indeed. I mean, could he have done maybe with a kind of a Europa League level club in between or something like that? Because I mean, this thing you go from being one of these sort of um, really progressive coaches looked upon very favourably because your career is on the up, and then suddenly you're at one of the most high-profile and high-pressure jobs in football. I've got to leave it there, Miguel. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I've got loads of rugby and Gaelic football I need to get to. Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer of The Independent. The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.